0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Semi-Informed with Ben and Trey. Thank you for joining us once again. I am your co-host, my name is Ben. I am an overworked photographer during Christmas card season, and I am a fan of the U.S. men's national team.
1: Hey, what's up everyone? This is Trey. I'm a father of two, as you all know, and I have recently been obsessed with raking leaves.
0: Oh man, leaf blowing season yes it is that's suburb life right there that's suburb life that was one of my that was one of the things i hated the most about growing up in the suburbs oh yeah my dad my dad used to rock the leaf blower but it was the same thing as the snow blower so he would just be rolling over leaves as they shot out at this thing like a 90 miles an hour (laughs) and we used to have to stand in front of it with a rake and try to help push that stuff into the street (laughs) and I'd be getting pelted with acorns and rocks and sticks and all sorts of stuff in the back of my calves. (laughs) That made me never want to own a yard or (laughs) anything. (laughs) So so good luck with those leaves, everybody. Uh, So this week we are semi-informed about... Education in America. We got a special guest. All right, let's get into it. (laughs) Education in America. We know... Um, at least I kinda know because I used to work for uh the teachers union of Philadelphia. That we're, we're, we're in some trouble. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> our, our school system in America ain't the best, right? We're not top tops of anything.
1: No, sir. No,
0: we're um, not. Um, I, I would say that to uh to say that our schools are drastically underfunded is uh, probably an accurate statement. Yeah. And uh, at least at least in the city of Philadelphia. So I pulled up some quick stats on the city of Philadelphia. So I know from my time working there and from also working for a state senator who's very passionate about um, helping to improve our schools here in one of America's largest cities, we face a budget issue where an estimated $5 billion would be needed to take the schools in Philadelphia from where they are presently to modern day standing Wow. five billion dollars now the city of philadelphia's annual operating budget is 4.3 billion dollars so that's how you know right there that we're never gonna <laughs> we're never gonna have modern schools <laughs> right. in the city of philadelphia and i imagine that the same issue probably persists across the entire country right wow you got any stats for me yeah yeah but i'm I'm just
1: shocked- you know I'm just wondering like like bringing them into the age of modern schools like what does that mean
0: <laughs> literally literally it just means like 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 buildings that aren't filled with asbestos and lead wow. and buildings that are that like actually have running water heat during the winter months, yeah you know what I mean air conditionings in the summer like like conditions that you wouldn't want conditions that you wouldn't you wouldn't put yourself in. Right, intentionally, if you knew that there was a building that was falling apart or something like that, and and the windows couldn't go up and down, you wouldn't feel comfortable going there. Yet we mandate that children have to go to these places every right. day, right? Yeah. Like the, like a, you know, for a public school, and, and we're talking about public schools, obviously. I mean, this right, should, right. You know, it, we don't really have to state it, but we are talking about public schools. Right. Um, I actually have some questions about you know charter schools and private schools and all that kind of stuff, but we can talk to our guest about that stuff. So. Yeah.
1: Well, honest, yeah, I mean, I, I compared uh, New Jersey, you know, the state that I'm in, and uh, we fare a little better. Um, in 2017, 2018, um, I actually had the breakdown, so t- the uh, stats for per student. New Jersey spends $21,866 per student, and that was uh, 2017 to 2018. Um, however, during COVID, uh, 2019, 2020, the average cost was about seventeen thousand and twenty-eight dollars, according to NJ.gov. So we lo- um,
0: they, they got cheaper. Well, you know, COVID they didn't have to come to buildings,
1: right? They Didn't have to come to the building. Um, so you know, there was you know there was this whole that whole scramble. Um, now could it have been could it have been more? Um, you know, obviously those are questions also for for our guests as well because of what um you know, uh, what transpired there with you know uh, virtual learning and everything else. Um, lot when of you say,
0: when you say twenty one thousand dollars per student, are we talking about this is per student annually? What K through twelve? Yes, K through twelve. Yes. Every student costs yeah. cost this. Well, and it state. helps
1: because I actually looked up New Jersey's ranking, um, and New Jersey's actually ranked third, third best state in the United States in terms of education. Wow. So, you know, that's um, impressive.
0: And we came up through that public school system, so here, yeah. there you go. That's what you get. Yeah, you get two yeah. semi-informed adults,
1: <laughs> but uh, the breakdown actually uh, nationwide. Um, just one, one more. Um, so, in 2019, uh, the United States spent uh, 752.3 billion dollars on education, um, and this is also this is obviously K through 12. Um, however, in 2020, that number dropped to 734.2 billion.
0: And so. what's our military budget? What's our milk?
1: Actually, yeah, that's. <laughs>
0: I'm just I'm just playing. You don't have How to know that, that offhand, but
1: it's it's probably not
0: that. <laughs> actually, I just pulled it up. 715 billion dollars. So that's where our priorities are. Um, they ain't in learnings. They ain't in learnings. Them childrens. That's for damn sure. All right. So 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 check this out. So I found an article that. It was from 2017, so this is obviously going to be p- before the pandemic, mm-hmm. and uh, it basically just highlights what, what they think are the 18 major reasons that schools in America are failing. And so I kind of want to run through some of that stuff with our guest. What do you think?
1: Yeah, sure. All right, let's,
0: good. all right, let's get into it. So our guest today is the Vice President of Learning Design at IDE Corp. She is, uh, I mean, she's an advocate. She's a, She's an education advocate, correct? correct and uh
1: she's uh also my wife
0: oh great i was gonna say trey you might have some more inside information about today's guest but
1: (laughs) but she's very passionate about education so
0: yes (laughs) all right so felicia let's uh let's let's get into some of the first of all welcome welcome to the show thank you for being on semi-informed today
2: thanks for having me i'm excited to be here
0: thanks for uh Getting in a different room from Trey so that we don't have any weird echo issues right now. Thanks for also making sure that the kids are asleep. You know that Trey's a father of two, so that means that you're a mother of two.
2: That is correct. Sometimes it feels like I'm a mother of three, however.
0: Oh, hey! God. Shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Unprovoked. So real, real quick, Felicia, tell us uh, tell us real quick just what does the, uh, the Vice President of Learning Design at IDE Corp do? What is What is IDE Corp?
2: Well, um, my company is called uh, IDE corp which stands for Innovative Design for Education. And what we do is we work with schools all over the country, um, mainly uh, schools in New York, New Jersey, uh, Florida. Uh, We also work with some other schools remotely in California, Minnesota, um, Chicago, we've even worked with some international schools as well. And what I do specifically within my company is I oversee the design of the products that we sell and help to create them. So we sell, we have two sides of our company. One side is in-person consulting where basically we go in and coach and support teachers in the classroom um, in Everything from social-emotional learning to uh, learning. uh, I'm trying to think of things that everybody would know about executive function skills to what we design are called learner-active technology-infused classrooms. And what that is, is basically teaching kids to be uh, independent learners, to be independent students, uh, and to take teachers from being like, the center of the classroom to really creating a classroom that's driven by students.
0: Interesting. Uh, so it's, so it's all, it's all basically a way of shaking up the way that we learn, shaking up the way that Americans have been have taught. Right, traditionally. Think of what a traditional school is, what a traditional classroom looks like teacher in the front, 30 chairs facing the teacher, your company goes in and what they think of different innovative ways to kind of shake up the classroom.
2: Yeah, we, everything from the way a classroom is set up, like you said, 30, te- 30 chairs, like uh, we work with teachers to like redesign the look of their classrooms, like furniture that, you know, kids are working in groups, have different types of seating that kids don't have a chair that's theirs. It's the space is theirs and they work where they want to work, uh, depending on what they're doing. And then also that, you know, our big things are creating kids who are engaged, empowered, and efficacious.
0: What, um, what, what if you could, if, I mean, so now we know sort of what, what your corporation does, what your organization does, what your role is in that organization. Before I get into some of these questions or before, you know, Trey and I start breaking down some of these some of this, uh, some of the main issues that according to the, to the articles or, you know, according to the experts, what's wrong with our, with our education system, what do you think is the biggest problem in, uh, in education in America?
2: Well, I think that it's the, the the biggest issue is the fact that education hasn't changed since it was initially created as public schools as we know it, you know, the initial creation of public schools was based on a factory system. I don't know if you guys know that. But if you think about high school, right? So high school, is controlled typically by a bell that goes off and people moving from one place to another, which is exactly what the factory system is.
0: It's a good wow. point. I never yeah. even thought of it that way. A very good that. point. Yep. Yeah. We're just so, lemmings moving from room to room.
2: <laughs> exactly. And it's really less, you know, in, in a more um, conventional sense, it's less about creating future leaders, future entrepreneurs, future, um, innovators and thinkers and more just shuffling people from one place to another teaching them how to read write add and subtract so that's that's what you know that's what I think is the problem is it hasn't really changed since it was initially created what,
0: what can you say what could you say about I mean there there's obviously we like I joke often about oh my god the things that I learned in high school or the the stuff that's totally useless like why didn't I learn how to how to uh, you know, like cheat my taxes in high school. That would have been much more beneficial to me as a as an adult. I mean, like I saw, I saw. I don't mean, thought it would
2: have been beneficial. I saw
0: me. Well, you know, uh, you like bars on, 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 the, on the hush hush <laughs> hush hush. It, it is. Um, but so like I saw a thing the other day. It said, uh, well, you know, day number two thousand seven hundred and fifty as an adult of not using Pythagorean's theorem. like, like why do we, like. We need how much of how much of our education just being stagnant, like the fact that we still have this stuff that that is built into what the formula is, what the playbook is for creating an adult in our society. Like how much of that stuff just literally just needs to be thrown out or thought of differently or what?
2: Well, that's the thing. It's about it's not necessarily throwing it out. It's about thinking about it differently. And that's what my company and what I really work to do. With what when, we, when we're brought into a school, we're brought in because they're ready to change. They're ready to, they're open to new ideas. And our biggest thing that we work with and that I now run like online learning for teachers and I run independent courses that teachers can take. And with all of that, our biggest thing is that kids need the why. I was the why kid. I don't know about you guys. I was the why kid. Like when a teacher would teach something, um, <laughs> I was the te- I was the kid who was like, "Why do we need to know this? Why is this important?" And what we do is we help to build the why. We want kids to have the why. And so what we we work with teachers and districts and um, admin in problem based learning, which is will give you why you need to know the Pythagorean theorem. It may not be something you need to know for the rest of your life, but what skills come from it, problem solving, being able to, you know, um, think through a process, being able to see how steps work and where it gets you to. And that's what, you know, that's, that's where education should be balanced.
0: Got it.
1: Okay. Um, we actually, we have an article here, um, that I wanted to, uh, bring up in, uh, maybe shoot some questions off of them. Uh, Says here, according to the 2017 article in The Advocate, uh, there are 18 major reasons that schools in America are failing. Um, And one of the reasons it says here that parents are not involved enough. What do you think about that?
2: (laughs) What did somebody tell me recently? I feel like parents are either... We used to—they used to say helicopter parents, right? Somebody yeah. told me recently they're now called snow snowplow parents.
0: Oh man, <laughs> what does that mean? Damn.
2: Think about what a snowplow does—shove yeah. everybody out of the way to get to where you need to go. go. <laughs> oh damn,
0: that's a that's that's that uh, Felicity. What was the woman's name who uh, paid paid for her kids to get into college? Oh, paid for kids. <laughs> Remember that woman? She paid like. That was
2: six... the one. The one from Full House.
0: Yeah, the woman from Full House and uh, that Good. other lady. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, Felicity
1: Huffman. Yeah, Felicity
0: Huffman. It? Yeah. That's too that's being too involved as a parent.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that like that question though is kind of you can look at it from two two perspectives. I mean, it says, you know, parents are not involved enough. I mean, obviously, you know, if you have the financial means, you can be involved. Um, however, you know, you talk about, you know, parents of, of students in the inner city, you know, I feel like that question may play in you know when a mom dad they're working two jobs you know they would like to get involved in their kids lives mm-hmm. but obviously you know economically they can't
0: or there's just not so, enough time
1: you know or right mm-hmm. exactly there's just not enough time you know so you know i think that that question plays onto you know the the two societies that we have in this country rich and poor right you know um what, speak you know,
0: so speak speak if you can Felicia speak on um you know, like how, how IDE Corp, how they use innovative strategy to sort of bridge that gap. Is there an issue? Do they go into schools that are in inner city schools as the, as well as like private schools or charter schools? or?
1: And if oh. before you answer that also, can, mm-hmm. can you also uh, explain, uh, because I've heard this term uh, equity in education. Yep. So if you could also kind of uh, <laughs> touch on that as well
2: sure okay so two very different things yeah. uh well sort of uh so we we work in charter schools we work in private schools and we work in public schools in both very wealthy areas and very um you know inner sur- inner city urban areas as well um you know we work in districts from uh patterson to we work all over New York City, um, the Bronx. Uh, and then, you know, um, we work in uh rural areas in Florida. Uh, one of the schools that I worked in when we start, first started our work in Florida, literally I drove down a dirt road to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we definitely have, you know, we work with districts that have endless amounts of money and then districts that, you know, don't. Uh, so we sort of bridge the gap. Again, our biggest things we talk about is the fact that you need, like school is the place where kids should be getting skills that they need for life. Uh, And that because of that, kids come with different life skills. And you think about, uh, you know, kids in urban areas, a lot of times, it's looked at just the things that they lack, right? That they're behind in reading or they're behind in math. Doesn't take into fact that that kid finds his or her way home every day, he or she goes into their house, takes care of a younger brother or sister, you know, makes dinner, um, helps younger siblings with homework, does their own homework, you know, and doesn't necessarily think about those things. And those are the things that we work with teachers to see like how you can use those skills to then transfer into their learning at school and also to tap into things that interest them and things that they're passionate about. And the equity piece that you're talking about, Trey, is the, the, there's this, we have this discussion all the time. People think that equality and equity mean the same thing. And they talk about it in education and they're like, oh, you know, they're like, oh, we're doing, you know, doing things with equity. You know, every, every you know, every kid in our school has a computer, right. and then you're like, great, but does every kid have internet at home? Right. So, <laughs> um, so the big thing about equity is, you know, equality is about giving giving everybody the same thing. Equity is about giving every individual what they need, mm. and that's what we, you know, we have, um, we have an entire. Uh, division of our company focused on equity and creating equitable learning environments, which really means like understanding and building in the students in your classroom into your classroom. So like,
0: Mm.
2: I'll give you an example. So I taught in East Orange prior to working at ID Corp. I taught in East Orange. For those of you who don't see me, I'm white. Mm -hmm. And most students in East Orange are not white. So, um, I can never understand what it's like to not be white um, because I am white. So when you think about equity, it's the fact of bringing in your students, uh, bringing in their experiences, bringing in their cultures, bringing in books that look like them by authors that look like them, having posters and quotes that look like people like them, other than singers and basketball players, like. That's what equity is about, and that's what we work with schools to, to, first of all, self-assess how equitable they are, and then to put together plans on how to be more equitable.
0: Interesting. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that, it's funny, because, you know, maybe we have a problem differentiating between equity and equality in our country because of our education system so lacking. People just don't understand the difference between two different words. (laughs) (laughs) They never got the definition
2: well i'm sure you've seen uh when they used to do on the tonight show and they go out and ask the man on the street questions so there might be your answer right
0: there (laughs) the man on the street needs to be listening to this podcast right now i'll tell you that much um
2: that are you are you smarter than a fifth grader most people most people are
0: not i mean (laughs) most people are not and they all went to (laughs) classrooms with uh with uh you know with with laptops that worked perhaps we don't know um let's talk about the pandemic let's talk about how how education shifted during the pandemic trey do you want to get into that yeah
1: i just uh you had a question about that you know what what lessons um you know do you hope that schools learned from being ill-prepared um from the pandemic i mean the pandemic really caught a lot of schools off guard um you know they were not prepared with online lessons I um, mean, just forget the fact that they didn't have laptops or even, you know, if, even if they could get laptops, where are these kids going to get Wi-Fi? You know, none of this stuff was um, even in the works. Um, and it was like almost like a scramble. And we all know that, you know, those urban schools were the ones that were completely left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of want to see, like, what, what does your company think, um, you know, what lessons could be learned and what direction has, has that change your company?
2: Sure. So I think schools were, and we'll admit they were way underprepared urban more so, but all schools. I mean, again, we work with, you know, middle-class schools that were like not prepared at all for it. Um, Because you and we got a lot of business because all of a sudden people were like, oh man, we gotta think differently and do things different because the <laughs> way the way we were doing it before is not gonna work when we're trying to get 30 uh, five-year-olds to pay attention on a computer for six hours. Nope, like
0: ain't gonna happen. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, I can tell you our, our five-year-old would not sit in, on a computer for six hours and pay attention. So um, I think that the lessons that people learned. Where first I think it shined an even brighter light on the inequities of 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 urban education versus you know more suburban education. Like you brought up, Trey, they realized that like in the middle of the pandemic, we, we they got every kid a laptop. They figured out how to do that, but then it was like kids don't have internet, so then they were having to like create buses that became. Um, you know, internet hubs and parents were going and parking in parking lots so their kids could do school and get internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, community centers turned into places that became internet hubs so kids could do school. Um, you know, in pods and and different things. So I think that was a huge thing. I think also that the lack of technology. You know, the fact that it was such a scramble. You know, uh, for so long people were really proud of the fact that they had like a cart of computers for the entire third grade. Right. And then, you know, and then when they got computers for every third grader wondered why the third graders didn't have a net know how to navigate the computers the way they know how to navigate YouTube, you know, like, but it was because they didn't use it educationally and, you know, getting to use a computer once a week is not going to prepare you to use a computer for six hours a day, every (laughs) day. (laughs) Right. It's just not, um, So I think, and then I think it made people think about teachers, the biggest thing, you know, and I'm going to toot our horn for a moment, if you don't mind, but the biggest thing we got from our clients was, it was hard for everybody, but for our clients, they really shared that it was an easier transition because they weren't standing in front of the room and teaching for six hours a day. So for them, it was, yes, they had to think about certain things differently. But for the most part, it wasn't this huge shock that other people, you know, other districts went to like packets for weeks before they could figure out how to do school this way. Um, So, you know, I felt like that was a huge kudos to us. However, we don't work with every school in the country. I mean, I'd love if we do. So if you're looking for work, you know, you're looking for, uh, for people, we're your people. But, you know, I think that was huge. And I think that it was, it was a huge wake up call that like like i said at the beginning of the of the show like you can't do school the same way you did it 40 50 60 years ago you know parents love to say the line i can't tell you how many meetings i've been in where parents are like well when i went to school it was done this way why aren't we doing it that way and i want to be like i went to school in the 80s there were we didn't have computers like
0: right yeah <laughs> we, we the, have... the internet didn't exist and when you guys went to school you were walking uphill both ways and through the <laughs> snow for miles, right? All that all that good fun stuff. Tell you what Felicia, so- we're going to we're going to this is this is a great conversation but we're going to take a quick break. When we get back I want to talk more about like uh some of these innovative tactics that you're talking about but then also maybe some of like vocational training and doing more like uh profession-based learning and when we should start mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back.
1: All right, welcome back to
0: Semi-Informed with Ben and Trey. And uh, so we're joined still by our guest today, Felicia Hillman. She is the Vice President of Learning Design at IDE Corp. Shout out to everybody at IDE Corp. If you're listening to this podcast, we truly appreciate you. <laughs> you guys are doing great work. And uh, Felicia's done a great job of wrapping the business so far. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about these innovative strategies that you're talking about in the classroom. So we said... You know, we're not we're we're trying to move away from from teacher focused learning, where it's just one woman or one guy standing in front of a classroom, looking out at thirty faces, trying to shout information at them and hoping that it breaks through some kind of way. Right. So, what are some of the ways that, that people can shake up a classroom? Because, you know, like we're I, I dread the thought of going back to a class at this point. Like it makes me scared. I have nightmares about my my school days. What is it? Sure. What is it like in an innovative classroom?
2: So I'd say the first thing when you walk into a learner active technology infused classroom, LADIC, is you can't find the teacher. And what I mean by that is that the teacher is among the students. They, the teacher, whether it's, you know, two teachers or one teacher in a classroom, depending on the situation, uh, the teachers are amongst the students. They're running small group lessons they're working with a group, asking questions, listening to learning, challenging, but they're sitting at tables. They're a part of the learning. So whenever I walk into coach a school, it always takes me a minute to find the teacher because they're not standing in front of the room. It's not their show, it's the kids show. So right. that that's something that's, you know, looks different. And then, you know, when I walk into a classroom, I'll sit down with kids and I'll talk to them and I'll be like, so what are you working on? And they'll say to me, whether they're five or 15, you know, I was in a kindergarten class last week and a five, I said to a five-year-old, so what are you working on? And he pulled out his activity list, which is a list of learning and practice choices that, that he's empowered to make. And he looks, he shows me, oh, I'm working on building words. And I was like, Oh, okay. You're building words. What, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I got to choose. I'm supposed to build words, but I could build words with Play-Doh or I could build words with letter stamps. And I decided to do mine with letter stamps. And I was like, that's awesome. Why do you do that? And he goes, well, I think play messy and I like letter stamps better. And I was like, "Hey!" <laughs> so, you know, it's about voice. it's about giving kids a voice. Uh, it's about, providing opportunities for them to play a part in their learning. Uh, Oftentimes you walk in, there'll be a a help board on the wall, which again, if you think about a traditional more, you know, um, what we think of as school Mm -hmm. uh, kids are sitting and working all on the same exact thing. And when they have a question, they raise their hand and sit there with their hand waiting till a teacher comes to them. In our classroom, kids are working, you walk in a room and they're working on 15 different things, depending on the kid who you go up to, depending on their choice they've made. And if they need help, they get out of their seat, they go over to a board where they write their name. And depending on how old they are, they may write a question next to their name. And then they go back to their seat and continue working because they know that a teacher is going to come to them. And the teacher's checking the board and moving around the room and helping kids as they need the help that they need. So it's just really student-driven and really focused on them being the center of the classroom and being the leader of the classroom in leading their own education.
1: Right. That's interesting. Well, as, as you described that, um, kind of leads me to a, another question I had is, uh, you know, we all had our classes, you know, math, science, social studies, things like that, Um I mean obviously we need you know you need your math you need your science and thing and and you need your history but i mean other classes that are still relevant in this new era of learning or are there classes that are that should be added um since you're saying that you know we've been kind of stagnant in the last 50 60 years um should there be classes now that are more relevant to um to life uh as ben said you know about like taxes and things like that you know or learning to you know Balance a checkbook, or um, you know, just Trey.
2: What decade is it? Who's balancing a
1: checkbook? <laughs> well, yeah,
0: well, well you, you know, they still got checkbooks. So, well,
1: they still have checkbooks, but uh, but you know, you know what I mean. Just uh, life skills, life skills. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you know the the classrooms should uh, or education should see a change in what's being taught?
2: So, I think yes. Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. Um, I think that. In the younger grades, so I'm talking like elementary school, I think that the move towards building executive function skills, which focuses on like decision-making, problem-solving, self-awareness, you know, all of those skills need to be woven into learning, including, you know, how to work together, how to, you know, get to a decision and not fight and argue. All of those skills you know, need to be, and I can tell you are being woven in places as well as social emotional learning is so important period. And then especially after the pandemic and everything, it's really important for kids to be able to process and understand their emotions and be able to talk about how they're feeling and being able to, you know, deal with that because, you know, more children than ever have, you guys did a show previously on uh, mental health, but I don't know how, you know, uh, you you guys didn't go really deep into kids and that more than ever, kids are having anxiety issues and, you know, things that never were known or at least amplified the way they are now. So I think those things are important in the younger age. And then when you get to middle school and high school, I can tell you that I think those, those skills are continued to be needed and grown, but then like you said, these life skill type classes, I actually um, uh, worked with one of the other consultants last week on writing an economics uh, uh, unit for an economics teacher and looking at the the whole thing was about understanding uh, taxes in America and understanding the inequities actually of our tax system in the United States. Oh, and go. the thing is, most <laughs> nice. people don't understand that
0: some right. people do some elon musk understands it
2: <laughs> oh, well i was gonna say the very wealthy understand
0: it <laughs> he, he's as wealthy as it gets <laughs> yeah. uh
2: he so didn't get, he didn't get more... that way
0: by paying taxes regularly i'll tell you that much but let's we're we're trending off topic right now so hold on
2: none of the one percent did <laughs> uh but he um but so anyway so yes more schools are moving towards that but there has been a resurrection, if you will, of what 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 middle America most people know as trade schools or trade, you know, um, like high vocational high schools. Yes. Um, you know, it used to be known as the schools that you went to if you weren't good at school. Uh, right. That was kind of the the old school mentality of it. Uh, but um Now it's really thought of as a completely innovative thing. You know, they have entire STEM magnet high schools that are focused on science, technology, engineering, um, and you know, more of these skill sets that people are fighting to get into. Uh, If you look at Trey, you said at the beginning of the show uh, about New Jersey being number three. If you look at I think most of the top 20 high schools uh, in New Jersey, uh, a good handful of them are actually vocational STEM schools.
0: All right. So that's great. So that that's actually uh, was one of the questions that I was going to ask you about vocational trade schools. Um, And so thankfully, you addressed it before I could get there. So another issue (laughs) that I can read your mind. Then I know. Apparently, <laughs> another yeah, issue that uh, that we hear about all the time, especially in like inner cities and and you know bigger schools and and uh, public schools in bigger cities, is overcrowding, right? Like a lot of the uh, does a lot of this, this the innovative learning stuff that you're talking about does that require a smaller cr- classroom? I mean, is that we went to a college that had very small classrooms yeah. and you feel like it's it's more conducive to learning if you're in a small environment but what can you do if you're in a if you're in a school where you you know you're packing 35 40 kids into a classroom
2: well i mean i think that from what we do the places we work i mean ideally it would be great to have 20 kids 15 kids in a classroom but it's just not just not the reality Uh, we do work in some places that do have smaller, you know, may have 20 to 25 kids in a classroom. I have a few places that may have 18, but for the most part, people have 25 and up, like, you know, you're talking 28, 30 kids in a classroom. And the thing is that when you're teaching in a way that you're the focus of the classroom, it's even harder to know what 30 kids know or don't know but when you're thinking about creating your classroom and you're building it around your kids needs and they're making choices and they're working on different things and they're independent it gives you a lot more time to be able to address those 30 kids to run small groups to make your way around the classroom and you know and make contact and ask questions and see what they know so you know it it works you know it really works in helping kids to learn based on where they're at and based on the situation you have.
1: All right now, I've got I've got one last question. Because um, in the beginning, you know, we we threw out a whole bunch of statistics about money. You know how much money we spend on education, and you know, uh, growing up, you know, obviously we remember, you know, no child left behind. And, you know, we we hear, um, you know, all the time, you know, there's, there's a need for more money, more money, more money, more money. And do you think that that's the solution? I mean, what, what are, what are politicians and, you know, higher up educators? What are they all getting wrong? Because I feel like they think just by throwing money at the situation can fix it. Um, Obviously, we know money helps, but um, what's your take on, on on that um, in terms of, you know, appropriating money in the, in the right way? How can how can funding certain things in the right way help?
2: Well, you can ask Mark Zuckerberg and Newark that is throwing money at things if it works.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't think it did work.
2: <laughs> that would be the answer. Uh, you know, the thing is with money the the issue with money is there's many layers to it. Uh, you know, one of the big issues is. When it comes to money with education, you know, a lot of times people don't understand that the money has rules mm. that come with it. So there's different title funding. There's Title I, Title II, Title Three funding. And all that different money depends on, you know, uh, how many kids you have on free or reduced lunch. How many, uh, what's your special ed population? What um, is the socioeconomic uh, makeup of your school? The cultural, the ethnic. So there's a lot of things that come along with that. And because of that, there's rules on the way you can spend it. So, you know, you might need money for this, but the money you're at, you're allocated can only be used for this. So oh. that's, you know, that's one of the things. The other thing I think is that typically the people in charge aren't people who know education. You know, if you think of, most school boards well other than the superintendent they're people from the community you know you guys could be on the school board and you're making decisions about how money spent in a school and quite frankly what do you know like
0: that's a scary thought good point yeah it's terrifying (laughs) like you said
2: you're semi-informed right (laughs) so i mean and there's and there's
0: i feel like there's a lot of people on on those school boards right now who are getting yelled at and spit on in meetings and all sorts of stuff and they're like i didn't sign up for this Right. They're like I, I didn't even. I barely knew what I signed up for in the first place. But I didn't sign up for this.
2: Yeah, that they're getting abused like nobody's business. It's terrible.
0: I mean, so, Wait, so
2: but it's terrible.
0: Well, talk talk a little bit about that too, because the mask mandate is obviously a thing that's come up in in regards to education in America, even though it shouldn't. But you know, like so, I can
2: tell you from the ground. Let me tell you. Yeah, please do. Because. I know plenty of people who have issues with the mask. I go into schools on a weekly basis. Kids are wearing masks.
0: Yep.
2: Teachers are wearing masks. Now, do the teachers have to do certain things because they're wearing the mask? Sure. They have to wear mics. They have to do certain things because it's a little harder to hear them. Um, However, the kids that everybody's like, oh, my God, my kid can't breathe. It's this. I'm in classes every day. Kids wear masks. It's no big deal. They don't even know they're there at this point. It's like second nature. Um, And again, Trey and I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, like he says, every week. And we go places and do things all the time. And they're like, oh, we got to put our masks on. And they wear their masks. And it's nothing. Gabby went to a birthday party today. Every kid at the birthday party were wearing masks. Did it impede their fun? Nope. Not in any way. So I think it's just something that you know it bothers adults, so they've decided that it must bother children.:
0: Yeah, I mean I've seen a lot of news stories. I haven't seen one news story yet about a kid um, dying due to lack of oxygen while wearing a mask. I, don't, I haven't seen that story yet, but I've seen a lot of stories about people getting spit on and yelled at at school board meetings, yeah, that's so a shame. <laughs> so, <that's, laughs> so I think this I think education in America is a massive topic. I think we kind of scratched it a little bit. I think this is probably one Trey we're gonna have to remain semi-informed about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, not not me because I hear it all the time. All
0: right. Well, well, we're we're half semi-informed <laughs> at this point. But so on behalf of semi-informed Ben and Trey, I just want to say thank you, Felicia, for coming on and joining us today. Um, I'm assuming you're gonna stick around for trending topics, even though I'm sure you're probably sick of tre- seeing Trey make a fool of himself.
2: <laughs> oh, I highly enjoy it. <laughs> I'm here. It's our well, favorite
0: I'm... part of the show. <laughs> all right. Awesome. All right. This is time for Trending Topics. All right, Trey, we got some good ones today. Oh, no. These are your trending topics. Trending topic number one, hashtag RHOP. What could those letters stand for? RHOP. Felicia, if you know, feel free to chime in.
1: RHOP.
0: Yeah, what is RHOP? I have no idea. Felicia, do you have any idea? Don't cheat. No. no idea. It looked like she was scrolling through Twitter over there. Don't cheat. <laughs> nope, not scrolling. R H O P stands for the Real Housewives of Potomac. Uh, I thought it was maybe a
1: new, a new, a new uh, IHOP.
0: No, yeah, R Hop, R Hop, the Rhodesian House of Pancakes. <laughs> no. The Real oh, Housewives. the
2: Rastafarian House of oh, Pancakes. Oh, the Rastafarian
0: House of Pancakes. There you go. Right. No, the, the Real Housewives of the Potomac. I feel like they're just running out of regions.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> the Real Housewives of Motor City coming up next.
1: Wait, did you just say the Rastafarian House of Pancakes? I didn't say I did. that. Your wife
0: said that. <laughs> <laughs> jerk chicken flavored pancakes. Oh, that actually sounds delicious. Well, hold up a second. Jerk well, chicken and chicken waffles. And waffles. Yeah, jerk. Jer- jerk chicken and waffles sounds jerk amazing. Chicken and waffles. That's right. You need to get your dad on the line right now. <laughs> he needs to be creating the Rastafarian house of pancakes. And we need to have some jerk chicken and jerk chicken and waffles. Some curry syrup. <laughs> I'll make sure I'll
1: make sure to call him and get him right on that. <laughs> Alright, beautiful.
0: Alright, trending topic number two. Leatherwood. What is Leatherwood? Leatherwood. Or in this case, who is Leatherwood?
1: Uh, I was gonna say it sounds like a like an old timey uh cologne, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go out tonight. Let me slap on some leatherwood. <laughs> Ooh.
0: Honey, do you like the way this leatherwood smells?
1: Mm. <laughs> Keep it on the shelf next to my uh, next to my uh, sex panther cologne.
0: Is that the sex panther you're wearing? No, baby, this is leatherwood. <laughs> is, I don't know what the, I don't know it is who is, two, is this. It is leatherwood is two of the most commonly used scents for male products. It's a bit ridiculous. Is it really? You
2: weren't far off. I weren't no, no, far no, 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 no. off.
0: No, 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 no. I no, I'm just announcing that. That's not what this is about. Oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Leatherwood I thought it was is
2: like something completely different. No, I thought Le... it belonged in your red room of pain.
0: <laughs> Leatherwood it refers to Alex Leatherwood, an American football guard and offensive tackle for the Las Vegas Raiders. Baby, oh, it's football night in America.
1: All right. Well, he's got an old Tommy Cologne name. So all right.
0: Apparently, he's also got six false starts. So that's going to be a real, real issue. <laughs> oh, Trey, this is one that you might know. Trey, this is one that you might know. Trending oh, topic right. number three: Zlatan. Uh oh, that's
1: Ibrahimovic.
0: But why is Zlatan trending?
1: Uh, it could be a number of things with that guy.
0: <laughs> it could be. It's true.
1: I know he he said so he's had a he's had a Twitter battle with LeBron. Yep. Um last year. Uh I don't I'm just gonna say, is it something he said recently?
0: No, so Zlatan, as we as you may or may not know, he's Swedish. Yeah. And Sweden um in the European qualifiers for the World Cup, uh makes it to the playoffs this year. So they uh are not guaranteed an automatic seat. And so somebody tweeted out a World Cup without Zlatan isn't a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. Oh man, you got to love some Zlatan. My favorite thing about Zlatan is that uh uh what was it? What was it said? Oh, oh, he moved to uh when he played for the LA Galaxy, apparently uh LeBron James to welcome him to the city sent him a jersey and Zlatan signed it and sent it back. <laughs> 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 That's the most baller thing I've ever heard. That sounds
1: like something he would do. Consider the fact that he refers to himself in the third person like Elmo. I
0: I swear to God, I hope that that's a true story. It may (laughs) or may not be true, but I hope it's true. Oh, man. All right. Trending topic number four Elon. Yeah. Elon Musk? Yeah, this refers to somebody we were just speaking about, correct?
1: Elon Musk. Uh could be a number
0: of things. I'm gonna richest, say richest um, man on
1: Earth. Maybe his uh his, his his space travel thing? Is there tweeting about that or the rocket?
0: Oh no, he did not tweet about the rocket. Ah. instead, he has a Twitter beef with none other than Senator Bernie Sanders. What? <laughs> oh man, this was a great dust up that they had today. And for those who who uh who are following along with this kind of stuff will know exactly what we're talking about. About that
2: he should pay his fair share, perhaps?
0: I mean, you know what Bernie Sanders is tweeting about, right? So Bernie Bernie tweeted, We must demand that the extremely wealthy pay their fair share, period. Period, right. Right. Very Bernie Sanders tweet. Elon Musk replied to that tweet by saying, I keep forgetting that you're still alive. (laughs) And then he replied to that tweet with, Want me to sell more stock, Bernie? Just say the word. (laughs) people are like go to elon musk people (laughs) people it's pretty dark man it's very dark bro what are you you talking about it's incredibly dark especially for a dude who pays no income tax and
1: whose car whose cars can only be afforded by the one percent anyway
0: so exactly i mean yeah anyway that's why elon's trending okay All right, trending topic number five, Trey. This is where we wrap it all up. Felicia, you may be able to help him with this one, but the way this has been going, I don't know. (laughs) Trending topic number five, Donda Deluxe. D-O-N-D-A Deluxe. What is Donda Deluxe, Trey? Uh, Donda Deluxe. What could it be? I don't know. This sounds like
1: someone who who makes lingerie. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Felicia, do you have any guesses on what Donda could be?
2: Mm-hmm. Sounds like a burger. Oh, a burger. <laughs>
0: two, two wildly different answers. <laughs> Donda sounds like somebody who could be making lingerie or a burger. <laughs> Interesting. That's it? Those are your two final guesses? The Final guess. Donda Deluxe. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. It sounds... Okay. Uh, all right, that's it. That's fine. You know what? Uh, Not everybody's gonna know this stuff. You a were... plus size model. Oh, a plus size model. All right, I'm just gonna hit you with it. Donda Deluxe is actually the deluxe version of Kanye West's album called Donda, which is a reference to his mother's first name. Oh. <laughs> a woman who, you know, makes why is, why is lingerie he is and, so... and burgers. Um, why is he... <laughs> but he released he released a the deluxe version of his latest album today.
1: Okay. All right. We'll just leave it at that. It's Yeah, kind don't of say a anything line.
0: else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, was <a> real, <laughs> that was a rough one. But apparently, it does have a new track on it that features uh, Andre 3000. Oh, okay. I get down with Andre. So I might have to go check that out. I, I absolutely hated that album, but I might go check out that one song. And that has been Churning Topics. <laughs> Trending topic, always a great time. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you again to our guest, Felicia Hillman, Vice President of the of Learning Design at IDE Corp. Felicia, where can people learn more about IDE Corp? Uh,
2: you can go to uh, www.idecorp.com.
0: All right. Everybody be sure to check that out. Um, you can
2: follow us on Facebook, Twitter.
0: Uh, there you go. You got to hit Instagram. all the socials. Hit all the socials. Yep. All right, IDE Corp. Yeah, that Corp. Twitter thing. <laughs> IDE Corp. Look for them on Twitter. Trey will uh, direct everybody there.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm such an expert. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, before we wrap up the show, I just wanted to send a huge thank you to everybody who's listened to our show so far. We recently hit over 500 listeners, which is a huge accomplishment for two thank random you. dudes who just uh, started talking about stuff on a podcast. It's kind of crazy, actually, if you think about yeah. it, Trey.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That is, so, that is awesome, considering that, yeah, we did this... Just kind of to stay in touch and, you know, have fun.
0: And we've reached this milestone. It's real impressive. Um, I'm just counting up our episodes right now. I'm pretty sure that this is our 10th episode. Yeah. Which is, that's pretty crazy. All right. So thank you so much to everybody for joining us. We hope you'll join us next time where we will be semi-informed about Thanksgiving. Oh, give thanks, everybody. Give thanks. See you next time. All right, man. Peace.